0: rare ones and welcome to the rare birds podcast. This is your host Joanne again joining you and this is podcast episode number three in a collaborative series with my co-host Heather Lee and we are interviewing African tech startups um, around the topic of new frontiers in African tech. So we're really excited to have our guest today. So Heather, would you like to introduce our guests?
1: And yeah, hi, everyone. This is Heather. It's really nice to be with you all g- again today. So today I'm really excited to have uh, Tav uh, Dunkey on the, on the call with us, because I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, I was connected to Tab firstly, uh, like, I think two years ago, when he was still living in Shenzhen, and we were communicating about uh, TechCon conference there, and Tav has been really involved in the ecosystem in Shenzhen. Uh, he's from Togo, and he's now currently in. Uh, he's been doing his startup in Kenya, and now he's currently in Lagos. So, uh, so Tab, uh, would you mind introduce yourself a little bit more? Tell us your background. What are you looking? Uh, what are you working on at the moment?
2: <laughs> that That's going to be a long intro, right? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so just like a bullet point. Uh, okay,
2: yeah. so um, I'm Tav. Um, I was in China for almost nine years. Um, I was building a company called AHA. And then um, I left um, a year and a half ago, came back to, uh, to Africa where I was scanning for opportunities and where I realized that there's a lot of um, opportunities in terms of tech. And so today... Um, I'm running a marketing agency called Bullworks, and I'm also running um, a new startup in fintech called Sumo at the same time.
1: Cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so you're uh, yeah, so you are a serial entrepreneur. I saw that you started a couple companies while you were in China, and now you're running two yeah. companies in Africa. But yeah. So, yeah. maybe uh, let's start with the one that you're working on now, uh, Sumo Tech. Okay. So you said it's a okay. it's a fintech company. I said I looked yeah. at the website. So you guys are kind of like a um, like Kenya version of WeChat Wallet. Is that how I can understand it?
2: Um, I think I think uh, you can put it as a metron jumping, but with uh, with a QR code payment. So it's a super app where um, we have lifestyle content, which is uh, book movie ticket, book restaurants, and get discounts and. Uh, we capture all of that through payment. So we are making kind of uh, payment via QR code more fun because um, there was no payment via QR code when I arrived on the continent. I know, for example, in uh, Cape Town, like uh, specifically in South Africa, it's been done and um, then a bank bought the company and didn't want further. So like we are trying now to bring that, um, whatever we saw in China, uh, we're trying to replicate that now in Africa.
0: Yeah, I saw that. They take uh, M-Pesa, WeChat, Alipay. Very
2: nice. Yeah. yeah. Complete
0: uh, the problem, mobile the wallets. Problem
2: that, mm. um, the problem that we faced with M-Pesa, which uh, happened mm. to me personally, was you always send the money to the wrong phone number because you have to write the phone number or you have to write the till number. And, and then the fees are very, um, like, uh, astronomical, right? Because for, I think, for $10, um, you are pretty much spending like, so for 100 Kenya shilling, which is $1, you're spending 11 uh, Kenya shilling, which is one cent, right? And, mm-hmm. and so the transfer fees are huge. Um, it's very inconvenient, but there's no other options for people. Um, for example, you look at Lagos, there's no specific um, payment uh, platform. They have, have loan apps, they have digital banks, but everybody's still using bank cards. And so people have tried, uh, I've met, Two founders here that went to the Alibaba E Founders Fellowship Program, if I'm spelling that right, and mm-hmm. they tried to build something like that, but because they were not, um, they were not, um, how to say, they don't really understand how it works. It's just something that is so quickly over ten days, and they tried to replicate it. It failed, right? And we are trying mm-hmm. now to to bring um, that kind of convenience to the market.
0: Your website okay. is amazing, isn't it, Heather? I love the website. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah it, it has a very
1: very clean look. Yeah, Obviously, it's very nice. It's not officially launched yet, Thank
3: uh,
0: you. so it's
1: just, yeah, it's very nicely done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I see that you're like a uh, user experience design design. You have those kind of backgrounds. I'm sure that contributed. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah i mean it hasn't launch. fully
2: launched though yet right it's still it's no, no, okay no, early access uh, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah so so we wanted to launch uh early february um but then because the coronavirus broke out and uh, most of our development team is still in china we had to put us to put up a contingency plan and we move it to may but um that also kind of allowed us to look at solution in the market where we actually kind of uh, acquired existing teams um so they were like Couple of companies that were building specific part of our business so you had some that were building like um movie business they've been building that but they don't have the right tech they don't have the right management team uh, there are some that were building the restaurant business but they didn't have the tech nor the right team so we we kind of brought all of those people on board and uh to accelerate uh, our market validation and the growth so we will launch in may because uh summer is um it's the moment where most of movies come out and currently, um, everything is slowing down, so, so we pushed the launch a little bit.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, so uh, why did you choose Kenya to be the market for, for this app?
2: Um, I, I, I actually went to, uh, I think, 12 countries. Um, in, from uh, end of 2018 to like May 2019, I went to 12 countries in, in Africa. And I realized that there were three options. So option number one was Lagos. Um, option number two was uh, Nairobi. Option number three was Cairo. And and when, when I look at uh, the adopt things fast, it's true that like people still want to save uh, their, their data for internet. But they are fast adapters. Number two is because MPESA was already there as a payment solution that could allow us to like just build our platform on top and um, and then scale. So we, we wanted a place where we'll spend uh, less money, uh, but we'll get you know great value in return. And and also um, we are launching uh, by using uh, restaurants and uh, and using movies. So restaurants, when you pay, you get. Um, you get like discount. You get cashbacks. So whenever you pay, let's say two dollars, which is two hundred Kenya shillings, you get twenty percent of that back. So you get like two cents back out of it. And so to do that, we needed an environment where people were like going to restaurants uh, frequently, going to coffee shop frequently. And so Kenya is the perfect place for that.
0: Which twelve countries did you go to, Tav? That's a long. Can you tell us quickly? <laughs> a it's a so long. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So okay, were 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 they?
0: But were they Uh, in in a particular uh, region?
2: Uh huh. Uh, I did. I did West Africa. I did uh, the the eastern and the southern part of Africa, and then I went to Egypt.
0: Right. Mm, You're definitely gonna get the cafe culture and restaurant culture in (laughs) Egypt. So yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Very interesting.
2: Very interesting approach. Cool. Okay.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So, like, uh, how big is the, the?
2: the uh, egyptian yeah sorry go on
1: oh no worries no go ahead yeah
2: Uh, so i was saying the reason why actually we didn't uh take the egyptian market was because of uh language right so for example in Mm -hmm. you have 30 million people that live uh our app will uh, quickly take off there because there's already that culture of finding restaurants and things online um Mm -hmm. but um it was just if we had to be there, we had to do both uh, English and Arabic, right? And probably French. So three languages at the same time. While I was in Kenya, um, most of the people speak English. Like, even the security guys, they speak English. Mm. And I also went to Tanzania. Um, I think Tanzania was the first country that I went to in uh, November or December, 2018. And that's what I wanted to originally move. But then I realized that everything has been done in uh, in Swahili. Swahili, Mm -hmm. yes, and Yes, and so, some people speak English, not all of it, and that was a barrier. And so when I went to Kenya, it blew my mind. Even the security guys or the cleaning mm-hmm. ladies, they could, like, even if they don't master the language, they could communicate with you. They could use apps in English and all of that. So uh, also there, there was a, a huge play because because um, Uber had, uh, you know, Uber drivers and all of that. It, it broke kind of a smartphone uh, uh, revolution to I'm not sure if Uber is because of Uber, but like you see, because every motorbike guys, the Bora guys, they use Uber every day to like service other people, um, mm-hmm. everybody just started getting smartphones. Even if it's just like a smart, small phone with like, you know, uh, 8 gigabyte storage, you know, less than one gigabyte RAM, it, it kind of help. And people are striving, they, they are trying their best now, they save money and they get a technology. So like Kenya was perfect. It, it has. The, the less risk, right? So I am in the business of de risking my company for investors. And so, like, I, I had to find a place where there were less risk, uh, we will find fast adopters, and it will be less costly. So that's why we, we went to Kenya.
1: Yeah, that makes mm. total sense. Yeah, yeah. So, like, comparing with the like different startup ecosystem, um, like, obviously, Kenya and Nairobi is like more mature for, for tech startups. Um, yeah. How would you uh, yeah. assess the like general like ecosystem in Nairobi comparing to other parts of Africa? In general, like, are there enough resources or for startups to get started? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, like the general network. Yeah.
2: Um. I I, I can't really tell you um I compare it to every other ecosystem, but I can compare the two places that I'm very well aware of. Or maybe mm-hmm. three, um, which is uh, uh, maybe Ghana uh, altogether, right? But I-, I had one of the founders from uh, Lagos telling me that in, in Kenya, people don't care about things being beautiful, the apps being beautiful, but it works, right? And in, in Lagos, people build apps that are like so beautiful and it's broken, it, it doesn't work. And and, and <laughs> in uh, in Nairobi, I, I found it hard to like actually get investors to invest in things. Whereas in Lagos, things speed faster, right? You meet an investor, and then he introduces you to the other guy, and you might get something rolling within like two three weeks. Whereas in like Nairobi, you will go meetings after meetings, and um, you know it, it's not that easy to just connect to the to the right people. It, it's not it's not that easy to connect to the right people. And I've made more connections in Lagos in. Uh, in what three weeks? In the space of three weeks, than I've done in Nairobi in uh, six seven months. Why do you think mm. that is,
0: tough
2: Um, it's hard to say. It's rare. maybe maybe it's just because uh, there is a petrol dollar in Nigeria. I don't know. It's really hard to say. But um, like in 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 Nairobi, when the, most of the founders that have, have first with they're they are kind of doing two things, right? Um, they are either doing e-commerce or they're doing loan apps because that's what they're exposed to. And then the rest is just out there where nobody's really tackling those problems. Uh, in, in Lagos, um, there is, there's more than that, right? You have people that are doing digital bank, which is, again, still in the fintech, uh, but like there's a variety of things ongoing. Like, Agritech is well-developed here. I know there are some startups in um, in Kenya also doing agri tech, but you don't you don't easily get exposed to those startups, right? You might you you don't meet like a founder from a fintech uh, company, and then he's like, oh, I know these three business that are doing like this uh, this agri tech business, and then are like, oh, I know this investor interested in investing in you. Um, when when I went there in June, um, I I gave a call to a good friend of mine, which he uh, knows very well, Ade. I was like, you, you gotta come here and have a look with me because, because everything mm. seems like doable here. And he was asking me like, if um, it's that obvious, why is nobody doing it? And I was like, I don't know. I, I really don't know. And it took me like, mm-hmm. four to six months to understand what was the actual problem. Um, you mm. see, uh, when when I was in China for almost a decade, um, I got exposed. Right when I was building my company in China, I learned. I learned operational discipline. Mm-hmm. I, I learned to like build platform. I learned to scale, I, I learned to, you know, to plan and go fast. You, you are in China, in Shenzhen, you are in an environment where if you sleep, you're dead. You know, you sleep, you're dead. You sneeze, you're dead. And and so it, it always keeps you awake. Um, I've met founders in Nairobi that, for example, it's not in a bad way, Um, that leave the office, like, at, at 6. They come in at 9, and they leave at 5 p.m., and they don't work on weekends. And I've met maybe, like, 1% of the founders in Nairobi right now, those, are, I'm talking about people that i met, right? So I don't mean to offend anybody that we didn't cross mm. password. Um, and, and like maybe 1% of the people that I met really understand what they're doing. They know why they're doing it and how they're going to get to where they're going. And so when, when I they came by, we were there, we analyzed the market, I, and he understood that there was an opportunity for us. And after a while, I realized the problem was talent, Right. Because um, every position in Shenzhen, maybe you have a thousand people applying for it, right? And they have the experience mm-hmm. to build and scale a platform that, that you want to do. Here, um, maybe you have one course. He wants to overpay him, right? And, uh, a developer that costs you, a developer or designer, let's say a designer that costs you two, $3,000 here in China will cost you less than $500 because they are not that you know what I mean, but because they are the only one that that has that ability of, of, um, of designing fast or like they're not even fast, like doing an okay job, people pay them overpay them. So
3: mm. I,
2: I think the problem is, is that lack of uh, experience in building and scaling platforms. There's a lot of talent, but there's, there's just a lack of that. Yeah
1: yeah mm. so definitely she's like a lot of opportunities there so like currently yeah. uh the, the developers and designers that you employ is your team like all in nairobi did you re- um all locally
2: uh uh so we just actually onboarded our first designer in nairobi um last month but we have our de- um, because it's it's more efficient and they, they know what we're talking about. I I went to uh, an African summit. Uh, I don't remember the name in uh, Nairobi last year, and and mm-hmm. when I was at the summit, there were like a couple of Chinese uh, teams there, right? Uh, so you had uh, Pico, which is a aqua book. Uh, people can read online. Fishing is cool. Um, you had uh, scooper and a couple of those, but they were all Chinese. And so I started asking the founders, look. Um, my night sweat at this moment about hiring people in uh, in nairobi because they don't understand that when you work for a startup speed matters and you have to be deeply deeply passionate about solving problems at least you, you need that that right and so they were like yeah um we have our entire tech teams our product teams are all still in china and uh maybe we have like our operation managers uh, that are also chinese but they work with the locals to like you know um operate here so, so that's that's the, the actual reality. Like, I, I came in and, you know, I, I will go to sleep and I woke wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, I, I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm not finding people that understand why we need to build and how we need to build it.
1: Okay. So the talent part. Um, so, yeah, I feel like yeah. there have been like a lot of uh, like training schools for coding Mm -hmm. Like on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. even I see like just kinds of like African developers and coders. Uh, Like I don't know. Like, do you you think? uh, How do you think the situation could improve? Just from your perspective, like, uh, what do you think uh, would be needed to like develop the tech talent in in Kenya Uh, or in Africa?
2: Honestly, I think we need um, we need more tech companies um, with founders that underst- that have a standard, right? Like, if, if you just build in something that you copy next door, um, then you're always gonna wait for the guy next door to to build it so you can copy it and you can do it. And so I think at this moment, um, I think. The, the Alibaba Fellowship Program is one of those things that is helping founders understand um, how technology can change lives. And people need to get exposed. They need to get exposed. I I, I, don't, I don't have a solution for you, but we, we need companies to come in and hire developers, but with a long, long-term goal. So it, it's good mm-hmm. to maybe have a mix of Chinese Chinese and local developers or Chinese and local designers so that they can learn from each other. Otherwise... Um, yeah, maybe we are just gonna remain with ten percent of people that really know what they're doing, right? Also, also, I've met. I think the problem also comes with uh, founders because I met I met a lot of founders that don't understand what they are talking about. Um, I usually just sit by and listen to people talk without um, without really uh, saying anything. I, I mean, earlier in twenty nineteen, when i when I meet people and I see what they're doing, and it's not gonna work, I just tell them it's not gonna work. And some of the companies have closed door this year. Like I've I've seen all of those. And so the the thing is, we we need first the founders to be more exposed. Um, There's a a program that I joined uh, from Google for Startup, which is called the Founders Team. And that was really helpful for me, right? I I wish there was more of that kind of program, but directed toward uh, technology, like developers, designers, and all of that.
1: Um, yeah, definitely. There's uh, more training ground uh, for people to grow is definitely more important. Um, yeah, so like even when you were yeah, in I China, know, did you I feel know, like. I know did you... Uh... Mm. Oh, I was just gonna tell you, like, uh, I was just gonna ask, like, yeah. when, even when you were in China, did you feel like you kind of yeah. just have to learn the things by doing it sometimes? And, maybe like the first time weren't uh, all successful but then you Uh, learn from making mistakes
2: yeah yeah I actually had to learn the hard because I lost $200,000 with um, Indian designers and developers um, two years earlier before like 2015 before my platform started came off and I had to I became a US designer out of an eight, right so I, I just sat by my laptop and I was like wait if I can design in Photoshop uh, U.S. design economy that I hard, but I had I had this will of um, it's the same way I learned Chinese, right? I had this will of like, when I want something, I'm gonna go get it, and and that's something that is missing sometimes when you meet founders here. It's like um, you, you can learn by doing it, but you must be ready to accept failure, right? Uh, being a founder, you you have to understand that you're gonna fail. You have to fail fast. You have a F- fell a lot and, and do it. Now, when you meet startup here, um, I met a couple of startups and they were like, yeah, we, we are building this business platform and we want to raise $10,000. And I'm like, okay, what's your actual, plan? like, if, if you are raising $10,000, it, it's, it's like, oh yeah, we, we want to build an app and this is uh, a copy of the app we want to build, but how do you operate that? And so, I had to learn, but I, I felt a lot before becoming a, a UX designer. I spent a lot of money learning. And, and the real question is, um, are, are most of the people running companies in Africa uh, really entrepreneurs because that's their calling? Or are they entrepreneurs because uh, they couldn't find anything else to do and they had to find something to, to just work out at the moment, right? So um, yeah. I, met three type of, I met three type of entrepreneurs here. Uh, those are things that, thinks that um, being a CEO is, is kind of a VIP club where they just raise mm. tons of money from their friends and uh, they just go spend it the way they want. Uh, Those that they couldn't find a job when they got out of university or something and they are doing a 3D printing thing or whatever they can do for now so they have something to do every day. And those that are actually building stuff that they know uh, what they're doing, right? And so those are like very, very few. So for me, I had the will, right? I, I, I knew why I went to China. I went for technology from day one straight. I wanted to run a company and I wanted to learn how to run the company, um, I've just sold my design agency and I, I moved to China, but I moved because of the technology, I wanted to be a tech entrepreneur. And most of people don't, don't, even, don't even know that. Um, I met a product manager today uh, from a company and I was asking like, he, he was saying something and apparently he just um, like spent six months with the wrong designers, they had five designers and they had to fire the entire team. And he was, I was like, do you code? He says, no. Uh the design? He says, no. And I'm like, how do you understand what to prioritize or not? Because it, when, I, when, I, when I say, do you code, I'm not asking you to go learn JavaScript or anything. I'm just asking you basic HTML. You, you can just learn basic HTML and CSS, just how to pull up a website. And that, as a product manager, will allow you to understand what to prioritize or not. Because um, their apps, for example, had a lot of um, pictures, had a lot of... Uh, Illustration and those were no priorities. Like their app was slow and everything, and and so he said, "Yeah, I wanted a beautiful app," and the designers went ahead and they they, they gave him a beautiful app. So that it it, it, it I, I got I was lucky enough that I went to China early in my life. I was lucky enough um, that um, I grew up in a family where they teach you to to hustle hard. My my dad was a huge impact on that, and. I had the will, you know, when I want something, I'm going to go get it. So that's what is important. If Even if someone gives you everything and you don't have the will, it's not going to work.
1: That's such an important point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But uh, it kind of, on the other hand, it kind of sounds... A little bit more encouraging that the entrepreneurial scene is like so thriving in Kenya that people are having these opportunities where they can just uh they can raise money easily from their their friends and parents and pursue something and then make mistakes and I think that's part of like the learning and yeah like usually like um like the other day we're talking like uh, the entrepreneurship culture is really not like encourage people like our cars should take jobs or join the military they have to support mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. so they kind of have to mm-hmm. like uh, pass their dreams a little bit so yeah i think that's kind of interesting that you're saying that um it's kind of it's almost sounds like easy someone can just start a startup um yeah
2: well I, i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that it's easy to go raise money um because there's a downside to it right i've met um i I was asking a couple of questions and you you can feel that people are not ready to fail because um the ecosystem is not ready in china if you fail everybody understand it wasn't gonna work you move on to the next thing you might be lucky enough to raise the next uh i don't know one million rmb and try again here when you fail people see you differently right so culture is still playing a huge part in this uh, some people are lucky enough to have huge network coming out of school and then and then raising that. Now also if you if you take like um, loan companies, right? When when you tell people now, hey, I want to build a loan company, they understand straight what it is because they they, uh, they witness that themselves and and know what it is. But when you tell people like, hey, um, I'm building the next Metwin Jamping or I'm building the next Yelp here, it's hard to to understand. I like the guys that I, I met that wanted to invest in me. Um, I'm lucky enough that they went to China, they tried Alipay, and they tried all of those things, and they know about it, right? The Mm Africans people, they know about it, and they've been looking for a company that will build this for years. And so it was like an hour Mm -hmm. conversation, and that was the only time I was in the meeting room when I was not speaking. Like, the guy was doing the entire speaking. It was like, oh, yeah, you know, if you can get cash to burn, if you can give people, like, uh, royalties and this and this, it will work. So... There is still a cultural part. There's still um, that, um, how to say, lack of exposure. Where, for example, if someone is doing a a blockchain project here, people will be like, what is that? I'm not saying everybody will be like that. Because because there's maybe 10% of the people that know what a blockchain platform is. Wow. But... Mm. And so, and so, we need that exposure, right? We need that exposure. Uh, three days ago, I was talking to someone because there's a Chinese company called Ope, which belongs to, I think, Opera. It's a Chinese company, and they do mm-hmm. uh, loan and payment, and uh, it's a super app here, all right. And so, um, some people are trying to copy Ope because you know that's the new standard, right? And and so. That, that instead of instead of waiting for one company to come in and, and build that standard I feel like we should have 10 20 companies you know maybe in Lagos mm-hmm. 10 20 in Nairobi that are, that are building you know um, that are building this um, there's also a side of it that I always tell people which is um, at this time there's no point in uh, rebuilding everything there's no point in uh, starting everything from zero because you um, you know, you can look at China, China went like copied from the US and they, they then went on build on top. Um, it's, it's, it, there's no point in you trying to reinvent the wheel at this point, because 10 years ago when uh, maybe not 10, but like 10, 15, maybe when QQ was launched, when uh, platform Alibaba were coming up and all of those, we didn't have the same amount of um, access to technology and data as we have today, right? Um, you didn't have the mm-hmm. same access to smartphone as you have today. You didn't have, like, you know, all, all of these things. And, and so now people have this thing. People are using Uber every day. Yes, they still save data, but, yeah, they're using Uber. They're using um, payside to pay they're, they're using a lot of things. So there's no point in reinventing the world. You can build on top of a daily habit, right? And, and for that to happen, we need maybe 10 or 20 companies uh, that, are, that really know what they're doing and get more people exposed.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely more competition can help you get yeah. more forward. Yeah, so yeah. I guess I was going to ask, yeah, I always felt like this super app idea, like it's really amazing that it happened in China. And of course, there, it is because of like certain local policies and the local environment that allowed it to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. so I was thinking like being an experiment in a context like Africa, do you think uh, like this super app concept would potentially work what are some of the challenges or uh, what are some like adjustments that you have to make uh, based on the main plan games model like what yeah. are the things that you adjust to the Kenya market based on what you know about the users there to make yeah. it easier for them to, to use your platform yeah
2: um, so for example um, we have to start um, from uh, um, from QR code payment, right? So I think Dienping, a couple of years ago, one of our advisors is, uh, she used to be the designer, the main product designer from Dienping, uh, and she left when they, the merged with went on. She went to build Elema, and all of that. She also worked for Yihao Jian And we're having this conversation where in China, for example, um, you have a large number of people that go out to restaurants, right? And, and uh, there's this culture where, where um, you can quickly search online, whatever. In Africa, the trust has been, let's not say Africa, in in Lagos and Nairobi, Nairobi specifically, the trust has been broken a lot by people that were trying to build platforms uh, that will allow merchants to go online, right? One of our merchants was telling us that they, they've been bleeding a lot. That was his his own word. It's like, we are tired of just, you know, laying here and being bleeding. And, and then the, the problem with that is someone that thinks, oh yeah, we need to build a platform where people can go find... Uh, Restaurants and this and that and book the table and whatever. We just try to lay out all of that in in one place But because they don't have experience with building it um, They will go build it in WordPress for example, and so the platform will know But they make the merchant pay ahead for their mistakes, so when we when we we had to find uh, the most painful uh, thing for people like what what is the most painful is it finding restaurants is it finding movies? Is it you know? And so we realized after a couple of months that it was movies, right? It wasn't finding discount or whatever. It's movies. Um, restaurants are spending. Um, so the crazy thing is, if you want to distribute flyers in Nairobi, for example, you have to bring out minimum 500 flyers. Um, out of those 500 flyers, you have to go get a city council approval, which is like a small tiny stamp that you get on uh, on each flyer, and that's one dollar. For for flyers, so that's five hundred dollars just to get the flyers approved. I'm not even talking about the uh the printing cost.
1: said so like the payment definitely is uh like providing mm-hmm. a lot of value for users. Uh, how mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. Were you, how did you go go about like integrating AliPay and WeChat? Were you thinking of also, like tapping into like the the tourist population uh, from China to to Kenya, like you also saw that as an opportunity, yeah. and I guess you had the network with the, like Alibaba or um, yeah, Tizen yeah. people to integrate those.
2: Yeah. 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 So so um, again, like I was saying, I was lucky enough um, when I was in China to to get um, you know access to those technologies. So, we already had like uh, Alipay and WeChat Pay APIs, and we just uh, automatically integrated them into our platform. So, whenever you pay us using Alipay or WeChat Pay, it's fine. Um, the merchant will still receive money instantly on the Mpesa. So, like, we, we made it so easy for anybody to pay anybody because when, when you go to Chinese restaurants uh, in Lagos or Nairobi, you can pay with Alipay or WeChat Pay. But um, that, is not, that is not helping the local restaurants because they don't capture any part of that value. And so for us, it was important bringing also the Chinese payment solution onto our platforms. But we already had the integration uh, working on our previous uh, app in China. And so it was easier to just um, redo those for, for the African market. We, we didn't think about like going uh, all the way very official. We wanted to like test the, the theories and see maybe by the time we reach maybe like 10,000 monthly, um, you know, payment through Alipay which I paid then we could approach them and, and see how to, to take that to a better level of partnership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, how are you, uh, so you talked about the customers. Uh, how are you like supporting the local market in Kenya through your app? I guess, like what you just said, like helping them capture the overseas, um, the overseas customers' money as well, yeah. and then you can yeah. also capture like data for them and these things. I saw you yeah. have a tab yeah. um, mall for business. So maybe you can explain that a little bit more.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, what what we ha- this is how we we consider our own operations in house. Um, there's always a business within a business. And um, we we realized that um, um, there was an opportunity to, to bring data um, to to uh, to help the merchant because they were spending a couple of hundred thousand dollars um, and they, they couldn't tell you that ten people came because of um, because of you know my promotional because I spent seven hundred or t- like one thousand uh, dollars on it, um, and so what we did. Um, sorry, I just had someone, an investor message in me in between. So what we did um, was to build this platform into three parts. Right, Number one was we needed to bring them more consumers. So people that didn't have consumers, we wanted to bring them consumers. Um, how could we get the uh, consumers interested in, um, in, in, in going to new merchants? That's why we had the sumo pay, right? And, and that's why we, we brought a QR code payment that could also you know, bring them cash backs and whatever. Number two, uh, by making customers pay to us to a specific merchant, uh, we were able to, we will be able to like, tell them exactly this person came four or five times. Um, we are also bringing a, a, a huge part. A huge part of our work is education, right? Because we have to not only educate the merchants, but we have to educate the waiters. And for for the pilots that we were doing just with a demo um, last November or December, we had a hard time because um, sometimes you they switch the waiters, right? And so if, for example, one merchant lets go of all of their employees, then you have to do everything all over. But we are trying our best um, and. We already have a partnership, Uh, we we have an agreement with um, with a couple of companies, uh, loan companies, such as like Carbon and uh, Carbon, uh, which is a Lagos uh, company in Nigeria, that is in Kenya, where we can uh, bring loans to SMEs, because if we know um, your business makes $1,000 a month, and you need, you know, maybe $2,000 to go boost it, uh, then now we have we have a partner that can help you. So the, the first layer for us is building that information. Number two is um, capturing a little bit of value. So um, like giving an incentive to the users where they they, they can get um, 20% cash back, 10% cash back. But for the merchant, we are building an infrastructure that will last long. So infrastructure um, sharing information with the user, consumers. Infrastructure in terms of... Um, uh, going through data and evaluating their return on investment, and infrastructure in terms of taking now the data and going and getting a loan to to scale their business.
1: Cool. Uh, Joanne, do you have any other burning questions that you want to ask? ask Any burning questions?
3: (laughs) 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 I always have
0: questions. (laughs) I always have questions. I mean, I I am just really intrigued by everything that Tab has said, because he has a lot of ex okay he has some experience as he says in nice. in financing <laughs> in financing as well as building the apps i mean you you are further along than most persons that i have interviewed generally on this podcast cuz this podcast is like mostly early stage but i think you maybe you still are early stage i'm not sure but you have a lot of experience so there's so many things i could ask but i guess i'm really um more curious about um the funding aspects of things at the moment so what would you say and i know heather wanted to get into this as well so maybe this is a good segue what do you think are the differences between um raising capital in where you were in shenzhen in china Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. where you are now in in lagos or in nairobi Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah okay. um, I definitely wanted to ask that question as well, especially because uh, I yeah. read the article and it was saying that uh, it was like difficult to come with Chinese investors to invest in more yeah. funded startups in China, yeah. but because China, yeah. Chinese investors also want to capture the market overseas, mm. so maybe mm. it will be more like easier for them to invest in mm. once you are in mm. Africa. So maybe mm. you can just share more of your your experience on that.
2: Okay. Um so we um so i I would say in china it was it was really tough, right um because we we're running a business that uh was legit that was growing, and people could see it and I think it was what three weeks ago, three, four weeks ago we we're talking about that when we received our first term sheet for for sumo um when we had they were like, oh my god, like we're doing this same exact thing in China, and it was so hard to raise money because. Um, I will walk into some meetings and there was a little bit of racism in play, and I was like, okay, I don't care about this. Um, some investors will, I, I've met 400 plus investors in China, um, and I was wow. like, spending half of my, half of my time. I have, a, I have an actual Excel sheet with every, um, I always show that to people in house, like with every uh, investment fund I've met. And, and so you will go in and I'll be like, yeah, we know what you're building, you have good numbers, but yeah, it's, yeah, we, we will just go with Chinese teams because you're a foreigner and we don't, we don't know if you'll make this happen. And, and then, so that, that's, that's more out of a punch. It's like, yeah, you are doing the right thing. You're even better than some people, but yeah, we'll still go with, you know, people that are not as good as you because they're just Chinese. And so uh, I, at one point, I was like, "Okay, what do I have to do to to prove to you that I have a business that is working?" And, and so you, some investors came in and they told me, "Oh, you know what? Um, you You are too honest like, and that that's one of my qualities right I don't, I don't like to to build stories where that is known, and I've always had a hard time compromising with that. but in in, um, in Nairobi, I've actually had Chinese investors coming uh, forward to me. Uh, one of them is a Future Hub. They, they work together with mm-hmm. trans which owns like, uh, so Future Hub, for example, they, mm-hmm. they were amazed that there was, you know, a foreigner that speaks Chinese that fluently. So now when I meet Chinese investors, whenever there's a Chinese investor or a Chinese um, in Nairobi, it, it, it's me first, then the local founders and then something else. In China, it was Chinese first then you have white guys I, I don't mean to point it out in a bad way but it was the reality you had white guys and then you had me and then you had other black guys or americans and so there, there was a, this racial part that nobody was talking about and and mm-hmm. it was just there was a distance where, where you were trying your hardest you, you were doing better than some companies and you will just see people going and raising money i had a friend that um, every six months he would just switch his keyword he goes from uh, AI to like blockchain and then he raises more money, and he was a foreigner and and I was like, "What am I doing wrong here And I was not willing to compromise that those, those, those are my values right and and that put me in a very bad spot where we couldn't raise money and we're growing the company out of my money with revenues that were coming right and left and and, and that was it and and it took me what a year and a half to recover from that I, I'm just starting to recover regarding my confidence my, my confidence is just coming back so here now. Um, mm. when I meet people, they actually value my experience. Um, they really don't care where I'm from. They have questions about, oh, wow, why do you speak Chinese that fluently? Like, you know, I, I met some investors that, um, were recommended to be by a phone here called Shaka BC. Um, so my friend Larry runs the phone and Larry called- called- gave him my phone number without telling him I was a foreigner. He called me on the phone. We had, I think a five, six minute conversation. And the next morning he came to my office. And between the entrance of the office to the meeting room, he asked me four times if I was Tab. And I'm like, yes, I'm Tab, and I'm speaking Chinese to you. He was he was kind of surprised. He was he was astonished. And and so like that that just that ability of mine to to speak Chinese it, like impressed him to, to come on board with us. So um, also also in China, um, I will say that when, when I was running my company um a little bit of not getting enough funding was my fault right because um i surrounded myself with people that were good but that were not amazing i was not learning enough right um i needed to learn like i needed people to to actually boost my confidence i mean, you need you need those um like i don't know how to say um right now i'm able to walk in any room and tell my story the way I want it, right? Because yes, I was in China, we built this Amazon technology and all of this and all of that, and, and it works. And so, um, yeah, it's it's a little bit of that. So, the difference is in China, there were others before me, and here it's me first because of my experience, my abilities. Uh, I could walk in a room and, and get a deal done, something like that. Yeah,
1: mm. interesting. Thanks. I think, uh, you know, know it's... like.
0: Go
1: ahead, Heather. Oh, no, you can talk. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I'll wait. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I was just going to say, like, cause, like, usually I always got get questions from African uh, funders, like, how to raise money, how to get investment from China. Mm. And you, you have uh, had a advantage. you have a lot of experience there. And same with my other friends who studied in China and returned to Africa and all of a sudden when they meet. Chinese businesses, they have like advantage. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely an interesting position to be in because usually, um, I think African founders seek investment from like, it's easier for them to go with Western investors. uh, And then Mm -hmm. second will be local investors. And then maybe it's kind of difficult for them to understand the mindset. So yeah, Yeah. I just think it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, Joanne, you can go ahead with your question.
0: No, I was going to actually say thank you for sharing that with us because I think that's really important that you chose not to compromise on your values. I mean, I'm not surprised that you actually had individuals saying to you you were being too honest, and that just says it all about this startup space, right? (laughs) And um and also, secondly, what you said about confidence is really important because here you are, this really experienced guy in tech and everything else, and you know, you, you admitted to even having your own issues with confidence after going into all of these meetings and constantly being rejected and rejected continuously. So I think um, it's really important for people to um, to stay committed to what they believe in, despite all the setbacks. But we can't undermine the role that confidence plays in this in this sort of industry, because it, it can be the rejection can be really tough. You know, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and, um, it's, it's hard. Um, if, if, if you, I know they say that, uh, out of 100 VC, one is gonna, you know, invest in you, but mm-hmm. let, let's be honest, right. Um, in China, there are, there are a lot of complications, right? Especially because, mm-hmm. um, I speak Chinese fluently. You, you mm-hmm. have every week and like invites to do those, uh, uh, road shows, pitching competitions, all of that, and, and it doesn't bring anything to the table. So at some point, I, just, mm-hmm. I, was, I was going to what four or five conference a week, and there was no point in doing those because you go, you meet the same people. In Shenzhen, you have a startup grant event. At some point, I was not going anymore because it was the same people. You go to the next mm-hmm. event next week, it's the same people, and, and so it, it wasn't people helping people. you. Yes, yes, it wasn't helping you grow anything, and 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 then like then you meet investors and they're like, if they say, no, you are not doing the right thing, then you're like, okay, I, I got to go figure out this thing. They're like, yeah, your numbers are good. You know, you are doing the right thing and yeah, I understand what you want to build, but yeah, I want to invest, um, because, you know, and, and so that, that kind of shoots you down. And, and I'm just yes. recently realizing, I will say in the past two months that, um, especially working with people at Founder's Gym that, um, Founders that, Gym, like, yeah. I,
0: yeah.
2: Like great, I, great, great, great organization. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. Like when when every day they they kind of like um they, they brought that how to say th- there is this lion in me that also wake I, I used to wake up every day and go at the office at five. Like five thirty you clock in, I'm there, I'm there before anybody and I'm the last mm-hmm. guy to live, right? And and at some point I was not doing those anymore because I didn't have the confidence. Um I didn't have the will. Like I lost my will, right? It's it's mm. it's it, it's hard when when you're already not doing the right thing, and everybody's telling you this is not gonna work. And mm-hmm. it, it's even harder when everybody says, "Hey, you are actually doing the right thing," but yes, um, this is we're not gonna help you out, you know. And and so yeah. you, you you have to have that confidence. I it, it, I, I, I I was I faced a battle, right? I, I had to fight for myself for the for the past 18 months, I, I kind of disappear out of everywhere. Like someone was saying that, yeah, for a year and a half, it was just like, mm. you were non-existent, right? It, mm. It's true because I had to go find myself. Like, um, mm. I, I, I didn't know how many punches I could take, but I've I taken so uh, like too many punches in the space of five years. and And so now that confidence is coming back. And if you, if you don't have confidence, Um, how do you onboard your partners, how do you onboard your investors, how do you sell to your customers, you know, it it all comes with confidence.
0: And then what what you said about the racial element of things, like you said there were Mm -hmm. these white guys, there's you, Mm -hmm. and there's -hmm. these other Mm -hmm. black guys, and you said Mm -hmm. that's sort of like the elephant in the room that nobody discusses. Why do you think people don't discuss that here?
2: Um, I tend, I tend not to get into political and, uh,
0: uh-huh. no, not, not political, not, I mean, good. just like,
2: I guess, not, no, not political, not, not political, but just do you think, yeah. Yeah, but, but I'm just I curious tend not to get into discussion where people are offended. Um, it, it's, it's, it, it it's, a thing. Um, it's just like how you walk into, into, um, a tech company. And then like, if you see startups, small startups specifically, like you have mm. 10 people, maybe there is one woman in the room. Right. And mm. and everybody knows something is wrong here, but, nobody is talking but nobody's talking about gonna it. Nobody's
3: going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes.
2: And, and, and it's so the it's same the same thing. thing. Yeah. It's right. just, yeah. Everybody's like, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I have a black friend, so I'm not racist. It's, it's that kind of thing. Right. And, and at some point, mm-hmm. um, you look at it and you say do, do i stand up and i talk about it or do i just ignore it like everybody is doing and, and go on with Keep my your head life
0: down and get on with it right yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so mm. i've been comfortable telling people the, the reality of us not raising money in china recently i've been i've been like kind of just saying that it's nice when people invite you and then uh, they always say, oh, yeah, this foreigner can speak Chinese very fluently and this on that. And I think we should have him pitch at the roadshow. And you go, you pitch and it's a lot of waste of time, right? And then you are oh. in a coworking working space trying to build your product. And then people just bring random people that are not going to bring anything to you or to your company. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, oh, meet this guy. He's a cool guy now. his space. Okay, thank you for the time. But I don't want to spend one or two hours of my time because, you know. It's a waste I'm, of time, it, yeah yes and and so there are just these elements of things in china where nobody's actually speaking about it and we all know mm-hmm. it's, it's there you know and, and so yeah, <laughs> there, there yeah. Is in the room, but nobody's speaking about it
3: right
2: right <laughs>
0: definitely right. Right. but, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm really glad though that you stuck with it and you did i feel like you're coming here to china was just your yeah. training ground. Like you came, you learned, you did what you had to do. You get all you got all your yeah. skills and your experience, yeah. and now yeah. you are back where you want to be. And it looks like yeah. it's paying off. Everything is paying yeah, off. Yeah,
2: it is. It is. It is. Um, one one year and a half. Um, one year and a half before I actually went to China it was two thousand nine, I think, somewhere mm-hmm. April or May. Um, I told everybody that. I was going to China, right? I was a member of ISEC, and we were like at an ISEC meeting and whatever, and I told everybody that I was going to China. And they were like, mm-hmm. Why? And then, like, people were like, Why don't you go to Europe, get a passport, you know, get married. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I, I have my own vision and I'm gonna go to China for 10 years, mm-hmm. get what I can, and now I'll be back to the continent, right? When I came back in 2018, um I, I didn't I didn't realize that it was time for me to come back. I wanted to go back to China. I was I was in a very difficult moment, right? Because um, when, when unfortunately, this is this is the reality of running a startup. When when you run a company, uh, and at some point the adventure is over, and you don't realize early that it's time to let it go, you you kind of just start piling up debts, Mm. right? So what what follows now is financial debts. It just comes in, right? Because you. it, it, I've been building my company for six years. And at some point I became like really full time. I was not doing anything else. We're trying to with money out of my pocket and all of that. And, and it just yeah. becomes all on you. And so sometimes you, you have to go to friends and say, Hey, can I get this, you know, $100, $200 because I can buy my own food and all of that. And, and, and so in my life, I've, I, I kind of admit it. And I speak about it sometime. Um, I'm I like to be honest about it, it's hard building a company and at some point, mm-hmm. um, you, you, you burn bridges, right? I've burned a lot of bridges in my life where like people yeah. were talking to me, but I was not opening myself, right? It wasn't even yeah. just like before we talk about debt or anything, but just sometimes when you're depressed and you go to work mm. and people know that this person and then a lot of people that love me, I just didn't let them in, right? I didn't let them in my, my world. And, and so I I broke my leg in 2018 and I was at home for three months. I couldn't move. And that's when I started realizing a lot of things. So I was like, okay, you know what, um, at some point I'm I'm just, it's time to just say bye to this and start the next thing because maybe the next thing is in Indonesia. I wanted to move to Indonesia, right? I wanted Mm. to go to the next Mm. company there. But then, um, I came back home to my family in October after four, four years and a half, um, Mm i didn't have I anything home and and when i arrived the first day i was still thinking about that the third or fourth day i realized that i burned out like i burned out yeah. in china and so there was there was this point where i couldn't tell the difference between what i wanted to do in china and what uh shenzhen wanted me to do you know and so mm. what shenzhen wanted me to do is to play this ceo that is tough that can build things that can go on that can you know that never gives up that that's what you do in shenzhen and, and the, we have to admit it. We are humans at some point. And so when you make mistakes, you learn from it and then and, and grow. And so now um, I know that there are some relationships that I'm never going to be able to repair. And nobody talks about this actually in tech world, right? People don't talk about when they're depressed. They don't talk about the downside of an entrepreneurship. Absolutely. I've made it a mission now. I've made a mission to be clear about it. As, as long as I can, I will tell people about it. There's a downside to it and you should be ready for it. If it doesn't work out, you're going to spend your days alone in a room crying, be sad, and whatever. You might end up with debt that will take you years to clear it out. And, you know, a lot mm. of those things happen. So, yeah, those, those were the downside of it. So, uh, yeah, you know. Well, <laughs> I
0: applaud you for discussing it because I think it's important yeah. because there's a lot of surface-level, superficial, to be frank, mm. bullshit. And mm. um, <laughs> people aren't honest, you know. And I think it's yeah. important to have a lot more honesty. Because it does mm. look all pretty on the outside. But then when you're actually building mm-hmm. something, it's very different. Mm-hmm. And it's very lonely. Yeah. It can be very lonely as well.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And
0: there um, is a lot of mental illness in this space that people don't yeah. discuss.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It is. We, 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 we can say that we all pretend to... You know, it, it, there's this part where um, you, you have to show up every day. And mm-hmm. I think someone said that to me, um, a friend said that to me, that uh, they've never ever seen my dark days. Like I always show up, I work 100% and I leave and I go home and, and they never see a dark side. In 2017, when um, my company, AHA, was about to go off and I had a choice, I had to either put the last $10,000 that I had in a bank account or the company was going to go off. I put the last $10,000 in a bank account. It's like a story now between me and my team, right? Where... I, for three weeks, I was on uh, water, sugar, and milk. And then I think two weeks in, I ran out of uh, sugar and milk, and I was just on water. And so third week in, because I was losing weight, I was not having lunch with other people or whatever, um, mm-hmm. uh, my friend realized at that point that I was not. And, and then my assistant was like, what, why you are not having, you know, uh, lunch with us anymore and then I had to come clean and instantly uh, the, everybody started coming and said what's wrong with you so you come in the office you sit next to us we're having delicious they were like we're Hello? having delicious chicken, chicken yes. and everything and and you are just sitting here and you're not having any food and and yeah. what's wrong with you so, so at that point everybody uh, gave me a little bit of money and the next thing I knew my investor called me and it was an hour where like It was really tough on me. And then the next day he, he transferred some money in the company, which allowed us to go on for six months. But Mm. it's like, I I wasn't doing my startup for, for the money, for the fact that it was cool or anything, but it's one of those moments where you make decisions in your life and it, it changes who you are and how people see you forever. Right. And so, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I enjoyed listening to that because I hear a lot of these stories but yeah, they're behind closed doors. They're not, mm-hmm. you know, they're not they're not made public and we all know these things are happening. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. But um, moving forward now because you're in a much yeah. better place now. So what's what's the next thing for Tav?
2: What's um, on I your agenda now much, that you're interested I, in I, sharing. I think um, right now it's all about um, Helping the next uh, generation of entrepreneurs um, understand, um, you know, how how to build things. I, I think I went to China to learn, and I, I still have that goal. I'm still on track for that goal to uh, inspire anybody that, that I can, you know.
1: Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, definitely if you yeah. can provide more, like, uh, share yeah. more experience and be like a mentor, for, that will definitely yeah. help. Build ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I was gonna ask you like another question, this regards yeah. to like maybe what would you say for other young Africans pursuing like uh, tech-related degrees in China? Because another friend of mine, he uh, he's also like building a tech startup in in China, and then he mm-hmm. was saying that a lot of Africans they're getting here uh, the tech mm-hmm. the tech uh, degrees. But they don't mm-hmm. they don't really get involved in the local ecosystem in China mm-hmm. and they're also mm-hmm. disconnected with what's happening back home. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like an awkward space in between. So like maybe mm-hmm. you can have something you want to share with people in a similar space to like how can they use their time in China to learn and also prepare mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. to um, mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. for Africa mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think um, Again, when, when I was there, um, a lot of um, Africans or Togolese blamed me for not um, often hanging out with them, and uh, um, I, I had my goals. You know, I, I came I came specifically to, to China to build a tech company, and I, I just came for that. And so, if if you don't um, if if you don't have a goal in mind, it becomes harder, right? If if you just care about the title of uh, the title of CEO or something. Um, mm-hmm. It becomes harder to to, to do what you are supposed to do. Um, I have never, I actually never mentioned that I'm a CEO or something. I might say sometimes that I'm a founder or something, but I, I never, I never mentioned that I'm a CEO because uh, once you put that in mind that you're a CEO, people people get out of it. Number two, um, if if mm-hmm. you're gonna build a company in China, you have to learn the culture and learn the language, right? I mm-hmm. I spend. A lot of my time hanging out with like old people in, in shenzhen that that got me uh, inside of how business is run I, I didn't just go and uh i didn't just like go to china and then started running a tech business right I, I lost a lot of money the first year out there i lost two hundred fifty thousand dollars to a chinese guy that stole it from me i never got that back um mm. then i spent time with like very old people um over like 40 because i wanted to be a little bit mature I will I will go around with them like look at how they run the tea business how they run businesses in factories you can learn a lot of things right because running a company at the end of the day um, comes from uh, managing people and defining what is the goal of that company so I I will say um, for anybody that want to run a company you should be ready to fail because um, maybe the first idea is not what needs to happen Maybe the second idea is not the company. Maybe the fifth one might be, right? and But you still need to try and, and, and then you need to learn. Um, number two, you need to attend a lot of events, build network. I mean, in Shenzhen at some point, um, I think the reason why I knew everybody was because I was always there when there was like a proper tech event and I had a proper thing ongoing. Um, I used to join... Um, like I used to join uh, hackathons almost every, twice a month because I will go and I would try different ideas. I was not when when we were building Aha. The time it was called Chat Neighbors. Um, I will not go uh, and and actually pitch Chat Neighbors, but I will go and like pitch other ideas like parking stuff or football apps or whatever. And I will meet people. I will have fun building and I, I, I built a lot of relationship that that led to that led to other things. Um, sorry there's a there's a conversation going next to me Um, i hope that's not disturbing
0: that's all right (laughs) feel like we've been
2: on a journey with you today tav yeah
1: (laughs) yeah okay so so, so, um
2: just to quickly round that up i mean yeah just um if you need to set up your goal number one uh which is clear if you want to run a tech setup number two you need to get exposed right uh, meet people, meet people that are like, um, you know, building things. Uh, get close to them, and then and then learn. And and then number three, um, always look to provide value first, right? Today, today people people don't need to build a map in China to run a tech company. They can run their business from WeChat mini programs, right? They, so it's, yeah. it's way way easier than it's easier than what, what we did back then. So yeah,
1: yeah cool that's very inspiring a lot of good mm-hmm. points there. yeah and also like i was just thinking like if you're from kogo so like french would be your first language and like you do have potential to tap into like different uh language like the francophone africa
2: <laughs> <and French>. yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah
1: i yeah, hope that's yeah. still like on your agenda maybe <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I do. I do have the. I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to comment several language, um, and among those are Chinese, English, and French. So, that that gives me uh, a slight edge over other people. Yeah, that, that is true. Wonderful
0: great well tab i mean for me i don't have any questions you've left me speechless Mm. which is rare (laughs) no you haven't no i'm kidding you haven't left me speechless i just i'm just conscious of the time
1: uh what kind of resources do you think will be helpful right now for you to go on the next stage or like for listeners of this podcast in the future when it's released uh like what are some some of the things that you, you would feel like you could be looking for at this stage of your startup
2: uh, so currently, we we're just purely looking for money to raise. Um, we are talking to a Chinese company called uh, Sunmi, uh, which is um, which is doing POS systems. So like anything that is hardware, we've been uh, we've been looking at we've been looking at that to, to make it work. Um, and, and so that's um, I mean we're looking with uh, to to partner with Chinese hardware companies mostly because we don't want to go buy POS. Systems. Yeah, so that's that's what we we're, we're looking for money and hardware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for
1: sure, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. And I can't also people. wait to hear more exciting things from you. Mm-hmm. And also, so what?
2: And also, people. I mean, if anybody wanna yeah, join, no we we're, we're open. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was just thinking it would be like so nice if we can like organize some hackathons, <laughs> have, like matches, yeah. like so Chinese and yeah. African developers can work together on projects and they can like share share yeah, together. that would and be, that would be yes. like
2: super cool. Yeah, yeah, that would be exciting. Yeah. Right now we, we're we are just putting actually, like so
1: many boundaries. It feels like a hmm. whole different world.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, um, so my other company, Bulwarks. Um, we are launching a product school where uh, we will select people for seven weeks. And through those seven weeks, you learn how to properly uh, build apps, design everything, and, and go on.
1: Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Very good.
2: Thank you very, very much.
0: Well, it was a uh, pleasure, yeah. Tav. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for giving us yeah. your time. Um, it was really good hearing your story and listening to your experiences. So that's it for us, Heather. Yeah,
1: thank you for right.
0: Yes, this is for us. Yep. Thank you so much for another great episode. Okay, <laughs> awesome. guys. Well, that's it. Bye for now. Bye.